Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Well, we had a week off, but we're all hopped up on Salsaritas and ready to have a podcast today. How did that Salsaritas make you guys feel? We, it needed more coffee. Needed more coffee. Well, it was right next to a coffee shop. But all yeah. you had to do was ask. I went to Starbucks, and I have a I have a uh, gold card with Starbucks, which doesn't mean much. But I would have well, got I you one. I opted to go home and get coffee, but yet I didn't or forgot forgot to get any coffee. Yeah. So I went home and didn't get coffee. Not does that help me at all right now? Well, I just drank a Killcliff. We got those here. Yeah, yeah, those are pretty good. We do have those here, man. And, uh, so. Anyways, without that coffee, Glenn forgets to step up to the mic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, sorcery is as good. You can make it as healthy or as unhealthy as you want to. And uh, we had a little team outing today, or at least us three. Yeah. And uh, got that sauceritas. So um, that guy knows us by name. And uh, Yeah. Feel very welcomed there. <laughs> But that guy, he knows us by name, but yet he shaved his beard off about five days ago. <laughs> oh, boy. I feel like he shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah, you know. I don't know. I'll let it slide because he, uh, he just had a shorter beard today. He's already grown it back, I guess. Yeah, probably so. Well, you know, I was... A- using the summertime as an excuse to shave your beard. Ugh. <laughs> uh Seems ridiculous to me. Well, you know, one thing is I've been outside a lot more, and I'm actually, like, scared to shave my beard all the way off because um, I'm going to have a ridiculous tan line, and it's going to look so stupid once I shave. So, yeah, putting it off for a minute, at least until after the meet, I guess. Yeah, well, what you got to do is uh, you got to shave it after practice on Saturday <laughs> and then go to a tanning bed all weekend, <laughs> just like the face tanning beds, <laughs> just... and, and no one will notice. Just put my face in the tanning bed. Forget the rest of my body. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a good way to get skin cancer on your face. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. Y'all pick your poison. You want to have tan lines or cancer? Well, I don't th- think those are exactly your only choices. There. Only choices. <laughs> or beard. Okay, or, or beard. beard. Or beard. <laughs> tan lines, cancer, or beard, you know? I pick the beard. I'm picking the beard as well. well then, choices up to you, well, Travis. All right, fair enough. <laughs> But actually, you know, I don't really have beard clippers, so I'm usually like all or nothing. But I've been going, whenever I get a haircut, I'll just get her to trim my beard to uh, like a two. And um, I'm digging that. Well, you know that they say that uh, people who have beards uh, tend to have healthier skin on their face. You know, because it's almost That's like a, a protective, uh, you know, coating of hair. Keeps your face looking young. And uh, you know what else is interesting is... It ke- keeps it looking young, but nobody can see it. That's a fair trade off. <laughs> fair trade off, because I don't really care what people think. I, yeah, I guess I don't really care about how young my face looks either. But so that's just a pointless trivia that means nothing for us. Well, damn. Damn. 
Just when we were on to something. I know. Well, I was supposed to be in Colorado, uh, but those dang flights got canceled. It was, uh, I was at the airport for like two straight days, and uh, all the flights from Charlotte to Chicago got canceled. It was Monday and Tuesday of last week, and then I switched where I was flying through Houston, and then a tropical storm hit Houston, and I just couldn't get out of uh, the airport, and Wednesday last week was supposed to be a pretty planned, really heavy day, and finally I just said, you know what, like if I can't get out there, if you can refund the ticket, then I'll just stay here, so anyways, um, worked out, we've had some really good training here, I think things in the gym here have been awesome. So. And you've had some pretty good training in the last two days. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. that day, I guess, being in the airport gave me a little extra rest and hit a PR triple from the uh, low blocks at 180 and then a, a jerk at 200 off the blocks, which isn't an all-time PR, but uh, much more than I've done off the blocks since cutting down. So uh, things are coming along. I think it was a good choice to just go ahead and stay here because if I'd have been in the airport another day, potentially missing flights, and then traveled and gotten there, I mean, it almost wouldn't have been worth the benefit that I was getting, which the benefit is to see sportsmen have cold plunge and stuff, but yeah, adding so much stress to take away a small amount is not worth it. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, that wouldn't have, uh, that wouldn't have been good. I would have definitely chosen to stay here as well. And you know what, it has been fun. I mean, I, that 200 kilo jerk you did was, uh, was spot on. You know, I took a video of it, and uh, I sent it to Sean Rigsby, and uh, I entitled it uh, Snow 220. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I give Sean so much crap since he missed a jerk at 220, um, and he can probably do it. As well you should. Yeah. I mean, he deserves <laughs> crap for that. Yeah, so One, yet, I'm going to keep giving him crap until he jerks it. Sean probably probably could jerk. He does have phenomenal, just naturally, great jerk. He's got that big barrel chest and just drives that bar super straight. Um, and, I mean, my 200 jerk was behind the neck. I'm, undeniably, I'm better behind the neck, as a lot of people are. Um, but still, I mean, it was very solid, so I'm super pumped about that. And I don't want to miss any more jerks in competition. I used to never miss jerks in competition, and uncharacteristically, I've been missing a few more than I would like to in the – in these past few meets, so... Um, Just a little stupid trivia. Do you know who's better from the front and can't jerk very good at all from behind the neck? Well, I don't know who you're thinking, but I know Zach Critch had that uh, that issue. But but Sean is actually not as good from the back and the front. If It's Dean Goad. Dean Goad could not jerk from behind the neck at all. And he was good. He was a good jerker from the front. He, yeah. he had a decent cleaner jerk. And the best catch snatch position ever, yeah, just yeah. ridiculously flexible, um, stupid flexible, oddly flexible, just crazy looking. Yeah, well, that's just weird. Felt like his knees were going to explode when I see pictures of that, yeah. but they never did. I put a picture of his <laughs> catch up on the Pendley Wad here a few days ago. Yeah, I think I saw it. Yeah, yeah. It was a stupid low position. Yeah, well, I mean, he's also got some big old. Um, Medial quads too. You know, you get those knees in those odd positions, man. You uh, you start developing your uh, musculature te- around. Teardrop. Yep. Vastus medial. <laughs> VMO. What are the names other for it? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Well, lots of different names for that one muscle. 
Well, I've been uh so Glenn, you have one of the Charge HRs, the uh, Fitbit. Yes. And uh and you've been using it, and I honestly just kind of got curious about it, and and decided, you know what, I just I knew that outside of training, I wasn't really doing much activity at all, and so I really wanted to see how lazy outside of training I was, just to kind of get an idea, and then see if I upped it just a little bit, how it would affect training, and how it would. Um, for better or worse, you know, maybe doing a lot more activity outside of training would have been bad. Maybe it would have been good. Uh, so I have a little bit of data on that, and uh, I think it's a pretty cool little product. And I know you like it. Yeah, I do. I like it. Um, you know, the biggest thing I use it for is like to track my running. Um, and that it's beautiful for that. It's it's wonderful. I haven't really used it to track overall activity, but it does tell me every day how many steps I've taken for the day and all that kind of crap. But I haven't really done anything with that knowledge. Yeah, that's really the only thing that I look at. I look at kind of like my heart rate and, and tracking steps. And then based on those two things, it kind of guesstimates how many calories you're burning a day. And I don't wear it during training because I want to only track outside of training what my activity levels were. And uh, it, we do such a wide variety of movements every day in training that it's – it would give me some crazy readings. Like it'd be so hard to compare from day to day. But, uh, so how, how is your resting heart rate? Has it gone down since you got it or has it done anything since you got it? Can you see any patterns? Yeah, actually. Um, so first day I got it, it was my resting heart rate was 66. Now I don't have any previous data except for that first day. So, you know, for all I know that was high compared to my average. Um, but over time, it definitely stayed between like 66 and 63 for the first week I got it. So I'm assuming that was kind of baseline. And now, um, since I've been tracking activity, um, I've had a couple of days at 59. And it stays between 59 and 62 now. So it definitely has decreased on average about 4 beats per minute. And I definitely have been consciously been taking more walks so every day before training I take a 2,000 step walk I have no idea how far that is and uh, it pretty accurately it's a pretty accurate pedometer yeah I mean uh, I they do a, a lot of studies with pedometers actually and you know university studies because it's such a cheap thing to uh, you know get and like tell your college students hey put this on we're gonna study it so I feel like the uh, the science of of those of pedometers uh, are kind of coming along. You know, I heard like a lot of iffy things about it, I guess. People were like, well, there's a lot of error, blah, blah, blah. Um, I really don't think the error is outrageous. Uh, yeah. Um, my resting heart rate hasn't done anything since I've gotten my Fitbit. I mean, it's it's uh, actually like two days ago, I had the highest resting heart rate of any um, day I, since I've had the Fitbit. I had a resting heart rate of 70. But it usually is about four years, as Travis, usually right around 64. Well, you had also just gotten back from traveling as well. Yeah, that might have had something to do with it. Yeah. Did you fly? You flew or drove? We flew. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. You know, the one thing is, is that the day that I got it, I also flew. So it could have inflated my heart rate. Um, so no doubt there's error involved in this. And I don't know exactly what difference it's made, but um, I do know that for the first two weeks, I never was below 60 on my resting heart rate. And I've had several days now where it's been below 60. So 
just interesting results. And I think some things I was talking to James, you know, um, well, a couple of different things. So you own your, your house and, uh, you and Stephanie own the house and, and so you do more yard work and stuff like that. I have an apartment, so they cut the grass and do all that crap myself. So when I go home from training, I, I mean, I knew that I wasn't doing a whole lot. So that's why I wanted to kind of see. And those are things that you don't really take into consideration. Like if, if you're doing a bunch of yard work, you know, you're kind of yeah. out there uh, doing that activity and not really counting it towards your training when it, when it is activity. Yeah, well, that's uh, it's interesting because, you know, when I'm coming up to a competition, I don't do anything like that. Um, but after a competition, like after regionals, I've been like catching up on all my projects. And, uh, you know, it definitely does kind of affect training. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I don't have any, um, you know, I don't have anything that's measuring how much activity I'm doing other than just, you know, <clears throat> observing, uh, well, observing myself as I do stuff. That sounds kind of weird, but, uh, so it's just, uh, you know, saving that energy closer to competition. Totally. And, uh, you know, so a couple different things have happened. Like, uh, I went to... So at first I had no goals, you know, I was just really just wanting to see what my baseline was. And probably on average, I was taking between like 6,000 and 8,000 steps a day without um, changing anything. I was just trying to see. So then, you know, the recommended is like, okay, walk 10,000 steps a day, which, you know, you actually have to be pretty conscious about going out and, and walking to get 10,000 steps a day. So I started taking a couple walks every day, just a couple 2,000 um, step walks that I wasn't normally taking and uh, trying to stick right at 10,000 just to see. And honestly, uh, my training's been going really well since I started doing it, so I haven't seen any negative effects yet. I will say, however, I went to the beach this weekend and I was just kind of enjoying the sun and ended out walking 20,000 steps one day um, just because I kind of got to 15,000, I'm like, screw it. This is close. I'm never getting to 20,000. I'm going to do it. <laughs> so, um, for better or worse of that decision, that definitely affected training a lot. Do you think it was taking a lot of steps or do you think I'm going to just spend the sun? I mean, there's, there's no way to know. Uh, most of the time when I'm taking the steps, I'm in the sun with my shirt off. I just kind of like walk around my apartment complex, uh, just to intentionally get a little sun, try to get some vitamin D. Um, but I was definitely outside a hell of a lot longer that day. Trying to get rid of those tan lines. That's what's really doing. <laughs> and walking on the, uh, walking on the sand, my ankles are killing me. Like whatever muscles are in your ankle, you know how your foot just kind of dips into the sand a little differently than. Yeah. It's definitely different. Yeah. yeah. I was at the beach with, uh, Jared this, this last weekend and I, you know, I got a little tiny little sunburn and I felt it in my ankles too. Yeah. But, uh. That day, sand will screw you up. <laughs> so at 10,000 steps a day, what I found so far, subject to change over time, is that, uh, you know, while sticking to the same RP plan, I've lost about an extra half pound a week, and um, the training has been going great. Uh, you know, they say walking, you're, if you walk at a slow pace, you kind of like use less of your glycogen in your muscles than if you did high intensity cardio and you're mobilizing a little more fat, at least percentage wise. Um, so, you know, I've just been walking at a slow pace, enjoying getting out in the sun. And at first, you know, it was really, it's kind of hard. Like I just wasn't used to walking 
and I would feel really tired. But now it actually like energizes me to go out and walk and get the sun and and all that. So interesting results so far. Training's still been going really good. Um, I'm on track, even ahead of what I expected to be hitting at the moment. And uh, I feel like my weight's really good as a result. Now, after the 20,000 step day, uh, I'm still tired from that. That was this weekend. And uh, I even yesterday only did like a 2,000 step walk before training. And then I didn't walk the rest of the day intentionally to recover. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. Uh, I read an article by a strength coach years and years ago. I don't remember. can't remember the name of the guy. A uh, fairly well-known strength coach. But he had a uh, had a gym. It was about 2,000 square foot. And he said he moved into a 10,000 square foot gym. Mm-hmm. And he said that just from like having the bigger uh like the bigger area for, and he walks around a lot more like doing everything he said he lost a lot of body fat and he said um I think he said he lost like 2% body fat and nothing had changed in his uh this was over like 6 months yeah yeah nothing had changed except that he went from 2000 square foot to 10000 square feet so it just uh kind of caused him to uh or forced him to walk more and walk around his gym more and, you know, it's kind of funny that little <clears throat> things like that, you know, make the difference with, uh, you know, body fat. I used to, um, when I was in college, I was, uh, they're, they're always talking about just different physical fitness. I measure, majored in exercise science. And uh, there was actually a class that I took on speed walking. So, like, mm-hmm. what those old people do in the malls and stuff. And, uh, you know, the more... That I, uh, you know, learn about exercise and you know staying healthy. The more I'm realizing that, you know, walking does a lot. No, I know. You know, if yeah. I if I run or any any kind of like on the treadmill or bike at a higher intensity, not even super high, but I'm just walking super slow. Um, you know, I'm definitely intentionally walking at a slow pace because I don't want to tire myself out. I'm just kind of like enjoying the sun and and kind of, I just spend the time to listen to music, think about things, just spend alone time. You know, sometimes I'll play a game of chess on my phone or something, just something different just to kind of relax. It's almost like meditation for myself or just kind of like pondering life, whatever. And, um, so it's, it's really interesting. And, uh, you know, I just, there's things too you know we were talking say you have to move in general like that's kind of like that 20,000 step day you know you move you don't really count that as training you come in and holy crap you just smoked yeah you know um and you and you don't really know why and you don't really put together um and without tracking the activity you don't know oh i just climbed like 30 flights of stairs by going up and down moving into the apartment i just moved the couch i did this i did that like you don't really have any measurement to know how to adjust training. Oh, I burned this many more calories, but I didn't eat that much more. So that was like a thousand calorie deficit that day, which is kind of a lot. Um, you know, you just have no baseline to understand. So that that's really what I've thought is cool. And bodybuilders are really big on walking slow and, and doing yeah. a lot of it. I've seen a few walking on a treadmill, eating a uh, half <laughs> gallon of ice cream. <laughs> yeah. 
That's uh, that's where it's at, man. You know that that is that something does actually sound fun that I have noticed, uh, <laughs> Glenn. So we we were talking about like good. cheap foods and stuff, and uh, a couple of the people were talking about pizza, and uh, you know how you like I, like people will be craving pizza, and I have never gotten that. I don't. I'm not really a big fan of pizza. I don't crave it that much. I enjoy like authentic Italian pizza where mm-hmm. like brick oven. Yeah, well, no, like like what my grandmother used to make. So it was yeah. pretty much like spices, olive oil, and like slices of tomato, like no tomato sauce. And like that's a pretty good pizza and like Parmesan cheese. And it's kind of more like garlic bread. But Damn it, James, I'm hungry as hell right now. I know. Now. It's, it's pretty good pizza. You know, <laughs> uh, Sounds pretty good. I know. I need to go get that recipe for my grandmother. Uh, my wife will probably hate it because she loves pizza. But I love ice cream. Yeah. I can eat some ice cream now. That used to be my pre-workout. When I was in high school, I would uh, I'd get done with my last class. I'd drive my moped down to the gas station, and I'd pick up a 99-cent pint of uh, pet ice cream. And, uh, and I'd go back, and I'd be eating it on the way home or the way back to the gym, and then I'd train, and I'd just be finishing it right before we started training. Okay, well, you could eat ice cream on your moped while riding your moped. <laughs> That's what I got. From yeah, you. so <laughs> we're out in the country, man. We, there's nothing. Well, there is now, but back then there was nothing out there. So yeah, I was eating ice cream on the moped. I got skills, Glenn. You would think that eating ice cream would require you to have one hand to hold the ice cream and the other hand to hold the spoon. Yeah, so you hold the handlebars with one hand, and the ice cream is in that hand, <laughs> <laughs> and then you get the spoon in the other, and you're eating it. Did you ever drop your pint? No, never. Ice never, cream is never. way too valuable to drop. <laughs> Uh, you're holding on that thing for like so he had, that's impressive right. he, so, had a, he had a wreck one time but the ice cream was fine <laughs> <laughs> the ice cream was fine yeah. yeah oh man yeah the ice cream is fine uh, so that's something that I did notice that uh, I track my weight I, I weigh myself every day um, that if I go out and I do a, a bunch of activity like uh, working in my yard or something my weight doesn't go up at all after I eat a pint of ice cream that night now if I'm sitting around lazy you know it'll go up like a whole kilo yeah. To, you know, just not like a sustainable kilo. Right, right. Just like a blow. Just the next morning, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, walking and eating ice cream, that's the it's way to go. I guess the idea is to restore your glycogen, but use less of it with the walking, the slow walking yeah. or something. But uh, I do know, so, you know, bodybuilders are really big on w- slow walking to maintain muscle mass while losing as much fat as possible. The thing is, though, is that it takes a really long time to walk enough to get that out of it. So, um, given that I have the time, if I'm just trying to see if it makes a difference, and I might find that eventually it takes a toll on training, and I have to cut a lot of it out. But I can kind of make small adjustments at least, and, and kind of figure out what the sweet spot is. So, yeah. So, on the other end of the spectrum, this is kind of like slow, relaxing walking. Uh, what do you think about like training that makes you like scared shitless? Like, it uh, has to be good. Yeah. <laughs> so like, uh, I don't know, I guess for some people it would be a snatch cause they're scared to go under, you know, you get that, uh, you know, out of your comfort zone. And I think another great one is, uh, like weighted rope climbs without any legs. Well, I guess it depends on how heavy you are without using your legs and you're going to hold on to that rope a lot tighter. Uh, you know, what do yeah, you think that, about that? That Those would life that would, or death that, training. That has to be. There has to be positive in that. You know, 
there has to be a partner there. That that is great until you fall off the rope and can't lift weights anymore. So yeah, yeah, that training goes really good until the all or nothing. It's not life; it's death. Yeah, well, you got to think about it. I mean, you look at um, I don't know. It it definitely will put you in a different mindset. You look at those uh, like I'm just gonna use the Iranian, uh, 77. I forget what his name is, um, but he is now. But when they snatch, like. They go under, man. They it's kind of like um, the Moser kid, James Moser, yeah. like the way he used to dive under beneath the weight, just fearless. Uh, you know, I think there's something to that. You know, getting things and well, you know, Jim Moser, his dad used to have him do things to cultivate that fearlessness. He used to have him do basically cliff diving um, and dive off a very high platform into a super super shallow pool. To where he would, if he didn't hit it just right, he would actually bang his head on the bottom of the pool. So he had to hit it and knife sideways in the water as soon as he hit the water in order not to jam his legs and break his legs on the bottom of the pool. And he used to be good at that. And Jim Moser uh, told me that that's one of the ways that he tried to cultivate James's fearlessness so that he wasn't scared of going under a bar. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. I think that can either turn you into a great lifter like James Moser or you get scared shitless and then you never want to do weightlifting again. That, that's two of the options. Basically. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about uh, this. Uh, fear of authority is, is a, a good thing also. But <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh, some people may understand that one. Yes. Yeah, yeah so I, uh, I went up on my roof the other day doing projects that's scary shit. Yeah, well, <laughs> I got a two-story house, and this, uh, out in Wilmington, where I'm from, it doesn't really snow out there, so the pitch is like a 412 pitch, which is not a, it's not very steep. Out here, man, it's like a 612, and that thing's like 45 degree angle up, and, yeah, uh, steep. and, uh, my shingles are pretty old, so they just, all the, uh, all the stuff just slides off. So I went up on my roof, real easy to get up there, but when I was coming down, man, I started to get some of that scared. Uh, you know, I'm, I was tensed up, man. I was sore from that. People underestimate how scary it is to be on top of a roof. Yeah. But after mean... re-roofing my house in Texas a while back, I mean, I was scared up when I was up on that roof. You know, climbing a ladder up there and then climbing down was a, it's kind of frightening. Of course, yeah. I'm scared of heights anyways, but, you know, that's something that a lot of people underestimate. They're like, up on a roof, that's not too high. But when you're actually up there, it seems pretty high. Yeah. So that makes me think, you know, is that, I wonder if that is how the, uh, some of the lifters in, you know, Bulgaria used to feel during training. I wonder if they had that same feeling, just a different, different type of scare, you know, different type like, oh crap, I need to stay, be good or else I'm going to go back to my hometown and like only be able to have one meal a day, like being scared shitless of that. And, uh, you know, that would kind of cultivate and then of course they had a ton of great uh weightlifters but you know they have to i think anytime you're properly motivated i guess you call it you're gonna do better so well it depends on uh one thing that uh that uh i've been writing about is there's kind of like maslow's hierarchy of needs have you guys ever heard of that the, yes. the psychological hierarchy of needs so i mean if you can appeal to people on their physiological needs they're um like if the best way to appeal to someone is through their through with weightlifting is through their physiological needs, weightlifting is going to be more important than if they already have all the basic needs met. 
then you can only appeal to them through higher levels of the pyramid, like their psychological needs, their belongingness, their love. Um, you know, in, in the U.S., we can't appeal to people on their physiological needs. They get food, air. Um, Air's an important one. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh man, those space weightlifters <laughs> just fighting stop. for their air. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> oh, that might have been too corny for most of our that. listeners. I mean, but clean air, you know, space. just, just yeah. in general, your, your security, <laughs> the fact that you're getting um, those benefits. Sorry, I love how Glenn is like figuring out the specifics of weightlifting in space. <laughs> You know, and like, how are they going to set the gravity in space? Like, what do they have to lift up there to oh, make yeah, it? I'll snatch 200 kilos in space. Oh, hell yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think the problem with that is if you're up on the moon and you snatch 200 kilos and you lift it, you know, you got to make sure you don't lift it too hard and hold on <laughs> to that bar because then you're going to start flying away you're from the moon, gonna, man. And then you're going to be lost in space. Now, that is problem. some motivation to be weaker. Exactly. Uh, yeah. For a hole in the bar. Yeah, yeah, or let go of it and stay down on the moon. I don't know. So let's uh, let's just say that if you uh, ever colonize the moon, weightlifting might not be the sport up there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how did that get started? (laughs) uh, You know, I don't know. Let's go back to uh, to uh, more important things. Well, no, I guess my point was is that, uh, you know, they were able to appeal to people on their physiological needs, you know. Are they getting food? Not really. Um, There's certain things that they were able to get that they needed through weightlifting, and that was the easiest way to get those physiological needs. Whereas here, weightlifting is one of the hardest things to do to get some of those physiological needs. Uh, So we, we can't really appeal to people like that. So it's definitely that was motivation. Yeah, I guess one of the biggest motivations here is uh, you know, the motivation to win. To be, uh, I guess that would be a big one. Yeah, but some people that that is very important to some people, and I think that you'd oh, honestly yeah. be surprised the number of people that isn't important to it all. I actually think that that is not how the reason why people keep doing weightlifting. I think the reason people keep doing weightlifting is. They feel like it's where they belong, or they feel like that's what makes them different. So if you're winning, you feel like that's what distinguishes you as a person. So it's not really the act of winning. It's it's the fact that that's what defines you. That's your yeah. self-actualization. That's where you get your notoriety or whatever. Yeah, so I, th- I think like feeling like you belong is, is more important. Yeah, so it depends on how high up you go, but... Uh, that's definitely something that's something that I'm, I'm writing and that's part of what I'm writing about in an ebook I'm working on. So oh, snap. I have some ebook. interesting thoughts on that. But, uh, anyways, so, you know, I always wanted to write a book, uh, that's on my bucket list, but, uh, I am such a firm believer in like actually holding a book that I'd want to get it printed no matter if it, like if that was the market court or not. Yeah. I think holding a printed book is so much better than than an ebook. I agree. Yeah. So I hope that you at least print off one copy for me. I'll I'll print off a copy for you, James. All right. Uh, all right. You know, and then ten years from now, when it's actually done, yeah. you know how that works. You know, you got to mark that. <laughs> you got to mark it up because it'll be a, a hot commodity. Printed books. Yeah, it's, it's one copy, so it's going to cost you a million dollars, James. Oh boy. <laughs> 
I, you know, I might just buy it and print it myself for that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, anyways, we had, uh, Glenn, you went with the team down to the MIA Classic, which yes. I heard was pretty cool. Which it was, was cool. was not in Miami. It was in Fort Lauderdale, so that tricked some people. But, um, uh, that was a great meet, and it was a great meet for the team, and uh, particularly Becca and Jared. Yeah, one seventy. That's a that's a big snatch. Yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he uh, what did he opened at one sixty? Yeah, Jared. Um, just by, I guess, observing over time, he does really really well when he opens light. Um, so you know he's been hitting super heavy weights in training, and uh. Every time he hits a PR, he opens like 10 kilos lighter and makes 5 kilo jumps. And so he went that 60, 65, 70. And 60 was actually like he took a step forward. He said he was just taking it for granted. And then 65 and 70, dude, phenomenal. Yeah. So the American record right now is at 69. Yeah, which, uh, you know, three, four guys got a chance to, to hit 70. So Nationals is going to be crazy. You know, Jared, A, the MI Classic wouldn't count for american records just because it's not drug tested it's not a national meet and it also he just opted not to cut weight there's no reason to um he weighed in at 95.1 so it's not like he's very far over at all and uh yeah made all three of those attempts great and uh clean 201 so uh to do that in competition is a big deal for him so yeah well, that's a big weight too and uh well becca she opened at 83 she opened at 83 made 86 and missed 88 behind in the snatch and then went three for three in the clean and jerk she made 113 all-time pr yeah that's a huge pr total for her yeah that's a big clean and jerk and she's been um you know the jerk has been her weakness for a long time and and when they did the uh the structural balance evaluation they found her upper body this is true for most women their upper body uh structurally is the their weaker muscles but hers was even more so than most girls that are doing the weights that she's doing so she's really been doing a ton of upper body work to kind of like try to hold those jerks it's finally coming around yeah well 113 the numbers are speaking you know the one thing is that it was a hard clean it wasn't like a grinder clean but usually if she has a tough time standing up with it the jerk is not going to happen but she made it. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a yeah. What 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 was her best before that? One eleven, and that wasn't in competition. She did one eleven, I think, in competition. I don't know, maybe like one oh eight. Yeah, so sounds right. Yeah, yeah, and uh, a couple of the other people did uh, fairly well. Um, yeah, Holly yeah. Holly did good. You know, she opened at one hundred and one forty, which at at the moment is pretty heavy, hefty openers. Uh, she didn't like really trained for this meet necessarily because she trained for Pan Ams, but uh, she made her openers and all of her cleans looked really good. She cleaned 145 and 147, missed the jerk, uh, the snatch. She only made her opener, um, but, I mean, those cleans are looking a lot better. She said she's never had a series of cleans like that before. So Yeah, she said that uh, when uh, she'd opened up at 140 before, and then she'd clean 150 in competition, but it was 140 and then right to 150. Yeah. She didn't take any in between. And so she was actually really happy about her 147 because she followed herself and she hit 45 and 47 kind of back to back. 
you know, real close to each other. Um, so I think that's definitely a, you know, that's definitely a win if you look at it in, in that perspective, like your ability to hit these weights consecutively after each other. You know, yeah. and I think that was a good meet for her too, because then she found out that she can, uh, she can clean the weight, and I think that are gonna is going to give her some more confidence. You know, if she gets in that situation again, that she can actually go out and then commit and make the jerk. Well, to be honest, she usually doesn't miss a lot of jerks. So, um, yeah, I mean, positive things coming out of it. And again, she wasn't really training for this meet, so she ended up making the 240 total, which I think is what she qualified for Pan Ams with. But you know, she's really looking to get like 250 plus at Pan Ams to to go for the win. So yeah. we'll see what happens. Yep, and it's definitely in the wheelhouse. So it'll be neat. Yeah, 105, 145. Those those weights should definitely be there once she's fresher and all that. But uh, going back to, I guess, the 94s and Nationals, I guess however they decide lot number is going to be super important. Oh, Because yeah. I expect yeah. 170 to get on the bar and multiple people be declaring it. And then whoever gets to take it first might be the one who walks away with the record. So. Yeah, I mean, it's been on the bar before. Yeah, I mean, Colin, yeah, damn near, crazy. he basically did it. Just everything that he could have done, I mean, I'll call that a training make. But uh, in, in competition, if you can't control it, you can't get the record for it. Um, but damn, yeah. he called it and stood up with it. So, Well, you guys probably maybe not realize this, but actually Jared did 171 at that meet because they were using collars. And the collars that they were using weigh like six-tenths of a kilo or something like that. So, Yeah. And they didn't count the collars in the white. So he actually did a little more than that. Oh, all right. So, you yeah, know, yeah. it didn't really matter, but. Yeah, well, I mean. Interesting. I don't know, that's a little bit of extra mental boost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but I think that would be just, a, in general, a great battle. Um, And, you know, since Jared typically does better when he opens lighter, those guys usually open at 165 and jump to 70. He might do something like 62, 67, 72, which uh, might put him up past those guys or be able to declare 171 in case those guys make it. So, either way. Yeah, that's good meat for all of them. Um, and in other news, uh, I heard that there was a sighting of a uh, topless woman. <laughs> no, that is true. In Miami, on the beach. That is true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Oh, dude. Yeah. So, there's always that. So, it was a great meet. It was a great meet. It was a great trip. And damn it, me and James missed it. Yep. I I was at my brother's wedding. Yeah. That probably wasn't as good as seeing a topless woman. (laughs) Well. Unless there were some topless people. So, so this is, uh, I don't know, maybe a close second. You know how you're not supposed to wear white at a wedding? Uh, Unless you're the bride. Um, so there was a girl there that was wearing this, uh, uh, a white dress and, uh, how dare she? Well, it was, I don't know. It was more like a, like a summer dress or something. Did it start raining? Well, yeah. So she wasn't wearing a bra and that was obvious. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, uh, it started storming. Like it came down <laughs> like crazy. Uh, and I actually had to run out cause they, they came up on their boat and the, uh, and it was at a yacht club and the, the dock hands did not tie the boat onto the dock uh correctly they just looped it around so this boat's got loose so i had to jump out there in this way in this uh crazy thunderstorm because the heat it just kind of came and went real quick so i had to go and run out and uh 
tie that boat on. And you know what? I didn't see the topless girl after that, or the uh, the girl in the white dress. So I'm thinking I missed the you rain probably, on it. Did. Yeah, you probably did. So it, it was almost as exciting as the Miami trip, but <laughs> almost. <laughs> oh man. Um. Well. So speaking of, um, Glenn, you and Jared have been coming up with. So there used to be a big discrepancy between, like, uh, Jared's snatch with straps and snatch with no straps. And obviously the gap has closed, and now they're the same. So what kind of things has he been doing in order to improve that? Pretty much 100% is just snatching without straps. But he's been holding on to his RDLs without a hook grip or straps. And he's been doing a lot of pulls without a hook grip or straps. And when he does deadlifts, um, which he's doing a lot right now of deadlifts instead of pulls, he doesn't use hook grip or, snap, or uh, straps. So it's just basically training without any grip aids has been, you know, improving his grip. Yeah. You know, that's that's crazy. I mean, uh, he's been lifting for, what, 12 years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just changing something as small as that makes a huge difference. You know, you start leaning on those crutches, right? you know. Well, I don't even necessarily think, like, he always snatched without straps until a certain weight. So it's not like he was never snatching without straps. I think the main thing is just he wasn't doing any auxiliary work outside of it. And um, So, like, when he first moved here, he would only use straps once he missed a weight. So he would, like, snatch up to, like, 155 and then sometimes miss it. And then put the straps on at that point, and then he might make 165. So it's not like he was using straps from the bar up right. to 165. It's just but his, his heavier weight. weights, he didn't have any leeway. Like his grip was barely strong enough to make the weight, but none none stronger. And now I think his grip is actually plenty strong enough to snatch the weight, and it's made yeah. a big difference. Now you know I kind of so I think like when you're there's like a certain amount of grip strength that you need but you don't need like the strongest grip in the world to hold on to a hook grip for a snatch but there's definitely like a minimum amount right. of grip that you need and yeah. you need to be above that baseline so that grip isn't your bottleneck and obviously having a stronger grip never hurts but uh yeah. i definitely have seen multiple times like people who do majority of their snatches with straps and snatch fine in competition and i've seen it the other way around and in between i definitely have to do a fair amount of snatching without straps but i don't think like Snatching with straps occasionally in training, like, takes away five kilos from the meat or anything. I think, actually, Jared's snatch with straps is just slightly different than his snatch without straps as far as, like, the technique of the pull. Yeah. You know, he did something a little bit differently when he wore straps that he wasn't doing without straps. And I think that, basically, it's not like his grip has gotten insanely stronger. It's just like he's not having that discrepancy anymore. I guess he's learned how to lift those yes. heavier weights yes. without straps. And you can definitely, um, you can definitely kind of like be more aggressive with the bar. You can bring the hips in just a little harder when you're wearing straps, and uh, it, you can kind of like do things a little differently. So yeah, I mean, uh, so I, I mean, I've been doing some snatch deadlifts without straps just for kicks. To, uh, you know, I mean, I've seen what difference it makes for him, and I definitely think there's a important role. Um, but at the same time, like once you've reached that threshold of grip strength, it's not like grip strength is the thing that's going to make you so much better. Right. Yeah. You know, a couple people might hate me for this, but I've never had a problem with my grip in weightlifting. Uh, I used to do a ton of grip work, 
And, uh, you know, uh, Trevor actually challenged me. We always kind of go back and forth on, uh, you know, competing on certain things. And he asked me how much I could clean pool without any, um, without any straps with just a hook grip. And my mo the best deadlift I had ever done is 260. Uh, and that was with an over under grip. And, uh, so I was like, oh, sure. I'll try to see how much I can clean pool without straps. And, uh, you know, I was kind of surprised because I'd never really gone up as heavy as I could go without straps. Uh, mm -hmm. I was surprised at how easy it was for me and actually ended up hitting an all time deadlift PR 261 a couple weeks ago. Nice. And, uh, with a double overhand grip. And, uh, you know, now that I'm doing that, if I ever go back and do a powerlifting meet, I'm definitely going with a double overhand grip with hook grip. You know, those, uh, the over under man, you see those videos of people tearing their bicep? Yeah. I ain't about that. Well, I think what I would like to see is see who could deadlift like, take a bunch of people that can deadlift like 250 with a hook grip and then see what the difference between their no hook grip snatch or sorry, no hook grip deadlift and hook grip deadlift is. Because I do think, I mean, obviously your hook grip has to be strong, but is that slightly different than overall grip strength without a hook grip? Yeah. I, I don't know. Seeing if be, there's a correlation, that'd that, be neat. That would be interesting. I think there's a correlation, but I definitely don't think it's one-to-one. -one. I mean, I I know it's not one-to-one -one because, I mean, I've seen people who could snatch their snatch with no hook grip, but they can definitely snatch... Like, with straps more, you know, I mean, even like, um, like Donnie, for instance, uh, he could snatch like 145 without a hook grip, um, but he had a hard time hitting his maxes without straps, but that, that's incredibly strong grip, yeah. so just basic grip, but his, his hook grip wasn't a ton stronger than, than his no hook grip, so. What's even wilder is John North actually didn't have a strong grip by anybody by any means at all but he could with hook grip he could you know he could snatch fairly decent mm -hmm. um and actually he had a, a pretty strong no hook grip snatch and but yes yet his grip would definitely not have been among the strongest uh, of any anybody on the team yeah well he had such a smooth pull you know very very big hands too yeah you know i think he definitely had significantly bigger hands than even james and uh, James has fairly big hands for his size, I think. Yeah, you know what? I've never, uh, I've never gone and compared my hands to John, so I'm not even sure. <laughs> um. Well, anyways, uh, we got some good news. James, you're going to be going to the China Grand Prix. Oh yeah, that's exciting. Uh, it's in uh, Fuzhou. <laughs> yeah, you. <laughs> you you spelled that for me earlier. Spell, yeah. it, spell it again. Can you spell it is again? It, isn't F it just in Chinese symbols? F U Z H O U. Yeah, I think so. Is it? Yeah. And I'm going with James um, to Fuzhou. And we're going to get there, and we're going to figure out it's pronounced completely different. Yes, but I'm looking forward to it a lot. Yeah. I haven't looked forward to a trip in quite a while, but I because I basically hate to travel. I mean, I'm not a big fan of traveling at all. But you know, th I think this one will be fun. Um, yeah, well, this is, uh, so, between me going to Pan Am's, James going to the China Grand Prix, that's going to make us both eligible for the Olympic trials, which is obviously the first step in qualifying for the Olympics, so, uh, and a huge step for us individually, as well as a muscle driver as a team to get some people eligible for the Olympic trials, so, uh, this is going to be great. Yeah, I, I mean, also, China's got a, 
you know, there's just so much history in China. Oh, yeah. And this is right on the coast and support city. Uh, You know, I think that will just be interesting in itself. I I mean, that's one of the best things about weightlifting, too, is, you know, Mm. the opportunities to go travel. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I mean, when else would I have gone to China? Well, maybe one of the things that doing all this extra walking will help me do is uh, be able to check out some of these cities without tiring myself out. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably a big thing. (laughs) uh, Uh, You don't have to worry about Houston because you can go back there anytime. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, that's a it's a whole different set of qualifying procedures, yeah. making the world team. So uh, obviously, we'll want to be on that too. But um, first things first, got, yep. got these meets coming up. So yeah, so uh, we've got uh, Anthony Pomponio, John McGovern, Darren Barnes, uh, Derek, Derek Johnson, and uh, Leo, uh, Leo Hernandez, myself, and. Uh, Sean Hutchinson, I think. Oh, real? I think. Okay, cool. I, you know, I'm not 100% sure about the last one, but... Well, that makes sense. He I did, heard that. He did really good at the American Open. He didn't go to the uh, to the Arnold or uh, Regionals, but he did have a really uh, big toe. So that makes sense. I think he, he would have the ranking to do that. So yeah, it should, be, should be a fun group of people. I mean, China's awesome. So. Yeah, they're also sending five women, but I'm not sure who they're sending. I've heard that Ariel might be going. Yeah, um, I know Ariel's maybe going to the. I don't think she's going. Oh, she's maybe going to the other Grand Prix in Russia later. Oh, she's gonna try to go to that one. Yeah, I think so. So I think like um, like uh, China invited a couple people, so they invited specifically Morgan and Jerry because I think what they kind of did is like looked at junior worlds from last year and worlds from last year, and that uh, Darren and Derek had the highest placings from our junior world and world team, so they got direct invites from China, and then they gave three or four extra spots to the men. And then on the women's side, they invited Morgan and Jerry Lee, um, which are our two most internationally competitive, depending on how you look at it, lifters. Oh, I guess Morgan got 10th at Worlds mm-hmm. after a few people got out of drug testing. Yeah, and then... Um, so then they invited three more, so they only got to choose, like, the top three, which, honestly, like, Morgan and Jerry Lee, I don't really know why they would go. I mean, going, I guess because it's China, but in terms of training for the Olympic trials, I don't know. That might be tough. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, uh, Colin went to the Russia Grand Prix last year, yeah, about good. a month before Worlds, and he did well at Worlds as well. Yeah, you never know. It can either affect you negatively or positively. He It obviously didn't affect him, you know, which um, statistically it probably would at that age. But, uh, yeah, he's a workhorse. So. Oh, yeah. But uh, you guys got anything else before we, uh, before we train? Any other thoughts? Hmm. I had no thoughts to start with, so <laughs> go eat some ice cream and walk on the treadmill. I guess I'm not uh, a big fan of ice cream myself. Man, you know what? I I got a little separate story about ice cream because we were talking about this before. You know, you get done training and you uh, you're all wired and uh, you can't go to sleep. So I had that one time, and uh, it was probably one o'clock in the morning. I was out, it was I was out sweeping the driveway because I was so wired and I had something to do. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> sweeping the driveway? Heck, man, you sitting there, you got nothing to do, and you see a broom. And I have never thought about. Okay, I I can't think of anything to do. I should go sweep the driveway. Well, that happened. You know, I have okay. a blower. So uh, I went 
and I went and got some Haagen-Dazs uh, dark chocolate ice cream. And, uh, and I ate that, and then I fell right to sleep. You know, you get that, uh, the fat in the ice cream, and then uh, actually dark chocolate. It's got some magnesium in there, which is very calming. So if you're ever having some issues calming down after a heavy day of training, man, you just go out and get some get some Haagen-Dazs chocolate you know, ice cream. Haagen-Dazs, the, the dolce, de leche, I don't know how the hell you say that, but pretty much what I just said. It is awesome. But I looked at it, and it has like 400 and something calories in like one little tiny thing of it. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, we got to decide what's important, calories or sleep. <laughs> for me, put it, put it that way, sleep. Yeah, for me, it was sleep. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. Uh, so we do have some cool news. Um, first things first. Next week, we're gonna have a guest on the podcast, Anton Jefferson. Uh, he's one of the owners and writers, main writers for Olif Magazine. Um, and then also, you know that meat that I've been talking about at the Sugar Creek Brewery, uh, guys. Yeah. And uh, so that we got the sanction officially. Um, it went through. It should be on the USA Weightlifting website in a couple days. It's going to be September nineteenth. Barbells and brews. Um, yeah, it's going to be tons of fun. Like uh, I think we've got a few really neat things going on with that. Unfortunately, you guys won't be here because you'll be in China. So it's the same weekend. Yeah. But put it on your calendar, September nineteenth. We'd love to have a huge showing. If we get enough people to sign up, we might have to do uh, two platforms. So. You know, we're really hoping to make this an awesome event and yeah. have it look good. And uh, the, the brewery is just friggin' awesome, to you be know, honest. That's what makes local meats some of the funnest meats to compete at is when they're in venues like that, I think. Yeah. You know, and it's fun. You got people that know weightlifting, like yourself, running it and, uh, you know, putting on a good show. Yeah, we want to have a legit meet, um, you know, have it pretty fun. And uh, we're going to try to take care of people and have, like, an after party. We're going to try to do it where the, the meet's over at, like, 5 o'clock, and then everybody kind of sticks around and, and gets to know each other a little more. So, you know, we have high hopes for it, so definitely look out for it. We'll be setting up an event bright soon and trying to get people to sign up. So, Good stuff. Well, there's also the Muscle Driver Summer Open, uh, mm-hmm. July 18th and 19th. Yeah. You can yeah. sign up on uh, MuscleDriverUSA.com. Those are always fun meets as well. Yeah, definitely. Yes, they are. So you got a summer one and a fall one, and we'll see you guys next week. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.